Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Tonight is our only actual Quarry service of December, okay? So one Christmas message. Does anyone know who I talk about every single year on Christmas? Who said it? Yeah, exactly. Not Jesus. Forget him. Mother Mary for me. Okay. Every single year I preach to you guys pretty much the same message on Mary because I'm obsessed with her. I think she was so amazing and she was also like 12. So I'm just so impressed with this girl. But as I was reading through the Christmas story this year, we are still going to talk about Mary But we're going to talk about something different about Mary, okay? Usually I talk about Mary saying yes to the plan of God, even though it was big, even though it was intimidating, and how that like changed all of humanity, just her decision to say yes to God's plan. And I still stand by that. I love, 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 love thinking about that and reading about that. But tonight, we're going to look at Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 30, because I'm always focused on Mary. I love Mary. It says this, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you and blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. So she was kind of freaked out. I would be too. But the angel said this to her. Here's the key verse for tonight. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So tonight I want to focus not on the fact that Mary said yes to God's plan, because that's always been the best part of the story for me. But God had me back it up this year and just really look at the fact that God chose Mary for this huge plan. Before she had the opportunity to even say yes, there was something about her where God knew he could trust her with this kind of a plan. God asked her to do something really, really big, really, really intimidating, really, really hard, and she still said yes, but we're gonna look at the part of the story and ask some questions about why God selected Mary. Why was she chosen? And the verses there tell us, the angel said, hey, you have found favor with God. You found favor with God. So if we're thinking about favor, a lot of times we just think that means like, oh, someone likes us or, oh, like I get special privileges. But we're going to take a deeper look at that because honestly, the Bible doesn't really tell us much else about Mary. The angel says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. This is what's going to happen. End of story. But we can find quite a few other characters in the Bible that God also found favor with, and we get a little bit more detail about what they did. Why were they favored by God? What does it mean to be favored by God? And how do we be favored by God, for um, lack of better grammar? (laughs) But, you know, I, I love you guys, and I think super highly of you in here, and I think that your heart is really to be chosen by God. Mary was chosen by God for something really big, and that's my heart too. I want to be chosen by God entrusted by him to do something really big. And I think that's a lot of your heart too. I want him to ask me to do something that's intimidating or something that's crazy. But if that's the case, then I need to find favor with him. And in our culture today, we're not really like using this term a whole lot. But the first truth I want to say to you tonight is that God wants to use you. That's the first thing you have to realize. And I think a lot of you like 
kind of think that or you want it to be true, but I'm not sure that your heart is really locked in on that. And that is a truth tonight. God wants to use you. When we're talking about finding favor with God and how to be qualified, I'm not talking about a competition to see who's the best and then whoever's the best is who gets to be used. Because listen, that's what my brain immediately does. That's my personality. I want to be the best. If five people are doing this thing and I'm one of those people, I want to be the best. And that's really pride and arrogance. That's not a good quality about me. But I have to watch myself that when I'm thinking about being chosen by God and called by God, it's not about me outperforming everyone else. Like, oh, you got chosen because you did the best. That's not it at all. God has chosen everyone. He wants to use you. He doesn't just want to use the smartest person in the room. He doesn't want to use the most talented person in the room, the best looking person in the room. He wants to use every single one of you. He wants to use you. And we see this in 1 Peter 4.10 in the Passion. It says this to us. Every believer, that's you guys, has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. Here's just one of many verses that says, hey, God's chosen you and he's given you gifts. You're called and those gifts are meant to be used. You're not left out. So many people, listen, act like they're left out when I talk to them. They are so consumed with what other people are getting to do, they just think they're left out. Well, this person always gets picked instead of me, you know? Well, this person got asked to do that, but like I was there too. I could have done that too. People get so frustrated and get caught up in this mentality that just because they see other people being selected and chosen, they're not also being selected and chosen. God has chosen you and he's chosen you for something different than maybe what he's chosen me for. Just because you see me get an opportunity doesn't mean an opportunity is not coming to you too. It just means that we're chosen for different things, but we're kind of raised in this mentality of like, oh, I got to be the best, right? You got to get really good grades. And if you play sports, you want to be as, you know, the best you can so you can be a starting player and get the most time on the court or whatever it is. It's just kind of this neck and neck. I got to be the best. I got to really try. Am I doing better than other people? And God is saying, no, it's not about that. You are chosen. You are called. You have been given gifts. And I know that's really simple tonight. And I think most of you guys would be like, yes, I know that. But do you really believe it in your heart? And what are your thoughts telling you? Are you keeping your thoughts in line with that? Because I have to remind myself, listen, I've been given gifts by God. I've been given a calling and I'm not left out just because I see somebody else be promoted. That doesn't take away anything from me whatsoever. Just because you see someone else walking in their calling does not mean that you're also not called. So when you're thinking like, oh, I want to be used by God, that's great because he wants to use you and you're called. But we can ask this question. If we've all been given gifts and we all have a calling, then why aren't we all being used by God to the fullest extent? And that's legitimate, right? You could see like this person is being used by God. Wow, they did that and it was really great. Why doesn't anything like that ever happen in my life? That's a legitimate question. And the answer is in finding favor with God. The angel said, hey, Mary, you found favor with God, so I've got an assignment for you. And we could say it this way. Instead of saying finding favor with God, we could say qualifying to be used. 
But I want you to remind yourself tonight, every time I use the word qualify, I am not saying compete because it's not a competition. It is a matter of qualifying, but it's not a matter of competing. You do not have to be better than anyone else. You just have to be able to be used by God. And we're going to talk about how to do that tonight. How do we find favor with God and how do we qualify? It's two really simple things. I'm going to give them to you up front and then we're going to dive in deeper. The first thing is to live right. Hear this with fresh ears tonight, because I know you've heard it before, but the answer is in these small, simple things. How do we find favor with God and qualify to be used? Number one, we live right. And number two, we stay close to God. It's that simple. We live right and we stay close to God. And just like we saw that Mary had found favor with God, we're going to look at a couple other people that the Bible says found favor with God. The first guy is Noah. And frankly, Noah is, the story of Noah is like one of those hard ones for me to wrap my mind around because we've heard it so many times. It sounds like a fairy tale. Like, do I really care about the story of Noah? Usually, no, I don't. I don't go read it. Like, I've heard it a million times. I'm not really drawn to it. Like, I'm just picturing kind of these children's picture books. We have to sometimes check ourselves and be like, no, these things are true and they really happened and it was really crazy. It's not a fairy tale. So let's look at Noah's story real quick. Just a little piece of it in Genesis 6, verses 8 through 9. Here's the opening statement. But Noah found favor, just like Mary, he found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it's going to tell how he did it. These are the records of generations or family history of Noah. He was a righteous man one who was just and had right standing with God, blameless in his evil generation. Number one, he lived right. And Noah, number two, walked or lived in habitual fellowship with God. He stayed close to God. It was that simple. So many times we're thinking we have to be this big thing or I've got to, you know, I've got to be like this person or I've got to be a great speaker. I've got to be like really gifted. I need a lot of compliments from a lot of people telling me how gifted I am and then I'll know I'm, I'm gifted. No, it's just a matter of finding favor with God. And the Bible made it super clear. Noah lived right, even though he was living in an evil, wicked generation. And number two, he stayed close to God. It was that simple. That simple. The reasons God chose Noah to do something huge was because he lived right and he had a personal relationship with God. And so many times we're looking for something that is way more performance-based than that, right? Or something that we're just born with, right? You don't have to be born with anything. You don't have to be super gifted. You don't have to be a great public speaker. You don't have to be a wonderful singer. You just need to live right and stay close to God. And very similarly, if we look at Moses, who literally brought freedom to an entire population, he freed them from slavery, he parted the Red Sea, he performed all these miracles. Let's look at what God says about him in Exodus 33, verses 14 through 17. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. 
I know you by name. What is he saying? I know you. We have a close relationship. So yes, you have my favor. And he didn't specifically say it in these verses. But if we read more about the life of Moses, we see that he was living right, even though he was around a lot of people who weren't. So Moses did the same exact things that Noah did, which were the same exact things that Mary did. And that was two simple things. He lived right. And he stayed close to God. And because he did that, God was able to do wild miracles, very extraordinary, crazy things, turning a river to blood. That's disgusting and crazy. Having an infestation of frogs. That's disgusting and crazy and wild. And again, we kind of think of that as like a fairy tale. But no, it was real. God performed extraordinary miracles through Moses simply because he found favor by living right and having a personal relationship with God. So I want to say to you tonight, just like Mary and just like Noah and just like Moses, if you want to be used by God, he's already gifted you right? We don't have to question that. You're gifted. You're called. You're just waiting on the assignment. And if you want to receive your assignment, you're going to have to get really serious about these two qualifiers, living right and staying close to God. It's that simple. I'm going to say it a hundred times tonight, living right and staying close to God. Your faces don't look that excited about that. And that's because this is not groundbreaking, right? That is boring. If I came and I had said, hey, I have like the secret to everything, to an amazing life, to doing amazing things for God, to all your dreams coming through. God gave me a really specific word for you. You guys would be like drooling, right? And I would have too. And all I would have to say was live right and stay close to God. Not exciting, not groundbreaking, but 100% accurate and 100% effective. And I wanna say to you tonight, there are not shortcuts. There's just not. There is no way around it. If we look at any character in the Bible that did anything for God, we see that they did those two things. They lived right and they stayed close to God. They did that when it wasn't fun and when it wasn't popular and when the people around them weren't doing that, right? It doesn't always look exciting because the success is in just the little things that you're doing every day. But there aren't shortcuts. Too many people are just looking for promotion. Well, how do I, how do I get to do what they do? You know, maybe if I, if I talk to this person or I have a better relationship with person or I could ask this person or maybe if I really do this and I try really hard and, and I can really impress them by doing this. No, you're looking for a shortcut when God is looking for living right and having a close relationship with him. There are not shortcuts. So I want to talk first for a little while about living right. And John Maxwell, he told a story. He's like the number one best-selling leadership author of all time. He has like a zillion million books and a great podcast. But he said he was at a conference and this like 20-year-old came up to him and was just like, oh, like you're so amazing. I just really want to do what you do. And I want to hold like leadership conferences and I want to help train leaders and raise up leaders. I really want to do what you do. And John Maxwell said, well, I think that's great. You want to do what I do. But let me ask you this. Do you want to do what I did? Do you want to do what I did? What was he saying? This was not an overnight thing. This is the result of years of being faithful and years of living right and years of being trained and years of learning how to get close to God, stay close to God, be able to hear him no matter what. Nobody is an overnight success and there is absolutely no way around having to live right. 
There's just not. And here's why I'm going to go a little bit hard on this tonight, because the Bible tells us in the last days, people are going to be deceived. It says many are going to fall away from the faith. Many are going to follow strange doctrines, weird doctrines, wrong doctrines, all this stuff. And you can see that if you're paying attention, see all that creep into the church where it's like people are are just doing what makes them comfortable, even though the Bible says to do something completely different. It is so important in this day and in this time to live right, and I have to know that I am living right by measuring it up with the Word of God. There's absolutely no other measurement. There could be a preacher that I really respect, but if they get up and they say something that's out of line with the Word of God, I'm not going to follow that. No matter how much I love them or how much I respect them, because it's about living right according to the word of God. It matters and it makes a huge difference when we see people give way in these little areas and allow these sin sins into the church and sins into their lives. You can just feel the reduction of God's power, if I can say it that way, right? You guys have been privileged to grow up in this church, most of you. So you know what it's like to be in like a great church service. And there's some people that I used to listen to and be like, man, that's great. Like the anointing was on that message. It was awesome. God's presence was there. His power was there. And now I can listen to them and I can tell it's left. And I'm not saying that with like a critical heart or anything like that. But I know something isn't right here. And then eventually something will come out in the news. Well, this person was doing this behind the scenes and nobody knew it. And it's like, well, yeah, you could tell the power wasn't there. The anointing wasn't there. They weren't living right. Even though nobody knew it, you could feel it. You could sense it. And that's why this is so important. If you want to get assignments no one else gets from God, then you're going to have to live like no one else is living. If you want to get assignments no one else gets from God, you're going to have to live like no one else is living. And like I said, I feel this really strongly and I'm really kind of bothered by it in the church because uh, sin is a big deal. It's a big deal. And sin is not just a list of things that God says are bad, but sin sin is what we call things that hurt us and that keep us from God. God has labeled certain things as sin, not because he's trying to keep you out of something, but because he's saying, hey, this is going to hurt you. And even a step further than that, it's going to keep you from being close to me. That's why sin is such a big deal. Even little sins, even little sins. And some of you are saying like, well, God, why aren't you using me? Well, there's some little things in your life and you feel like they're not a big deal. But here's what happens. If you have little sins in your life, they're affecting you. But if God were to give you a platform or an opportunity, this is a real problem because those little sins aren't just affecting you anymore. Now they're affecting the people that you're over. Now they're affecting other people. I mean this with just the cleanest heart that it, I am so picky about how I live my life for the sake of you guys. I take that so seriously because if I had anything hidden or secret or weird going on in my life, it's not just affecting me, it's affecting you and that's a big deal. It's a big deal to me and it's also a big deal to God. I'm not trying to deal <laughs> with the consequences of something like that. That's why sin is such a big deal. But 
A lot of times people think, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting drunk every night. I'm not sleeping around, you know, I'm not going to bars. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And that's true. I don't think you guys are doing that. Maybe you are. I don't know. You don't have to tell me right now. But I don't think you guys are doing that. That's very true. But the Bible tells us it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's just the little things. The little things every day that add up to be big things. So I'm not accusing you guys of doing things crazy. I don't think you killed a man last night. But I am saying, look at your life. And what are the little things that you have said, that's not a big deal. Not a big deal. One of my, one of my hot button topics right now is Christians who think it's just fine to just cuss and talk nasty. Because they always say it's not a big deal. And I'm like, well, if it's not a big deal, then it's not a big deal to do it. Shut your mouth, have some self-control, be a grown adult. I'm not impressed, okay? That's one of my things because the Bible is so clear. Like, hey, don't let profane speech come out of your mouth. Don't talk about nasty things. Don't be saying nasty words. It is so easy to not cuss that I just don't really give anyone a free pass for doing it. That's just, I'm on my soapbox for a second. But hey, that could be a little fox. Do you know that because I do not curse, people notice that? And, and it impacts them, which is weird. I'll be honest, like that seems like an odd thing that, that would impact people because why does it like really matter? Or can you love God and cuss? Yes, you can. You 100% can. But it's just, it's a little fox. And, but I've noticed because that's not in my life, other people notice and it impacts them. They apologize if they say something nasty in front of me, even though I've never said anything and I never asked them to apologize and I'm not going to treat them differently for doing it. If you don't know better, you don't know better. So you're going to talk however you want to talk and that's fine. But it's not fine in my life because those little things matter. And I have just really realized in the last few, few years the more that I really tighten up my life and dedicate myself to God, the more he moves. And it, it wasn't any major things that I was doing, but it was a lot of little things, right? Like a little bit of gossip here and a little unforgiveness here and a little talking bad about that person there and things I was just doing without even thinking that nobody would even hardly look down on me for. But when I began to really tighten up my life and let the Holy Ghost like point those things out to me and eliminate them, man, it made the biggest difference. Like it made the biggest difference in how God is able to move in my life. And to that point, some of these things that you're doing, you don't even realize you're doing it. Because maybe you grew up in a family that does it. Maybe it's a way of thinking that's been put in you. And that's fine. I am not criticizing you for that at all because we all have those kinds of things in our life. But here's what our responsibility is. It's to go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Ghost, I need you to show me those things. The Bible says he'll reveal to you all truth. So I go to the Holy Ghost and say, hey, like, where am I missing it? Where do I need to tighten up? Holy Ghost, convict me when I do something wrong. Today I said something that wasn't super kind about somebody, and immediately when I walked away from that conversation, I felt it. Because I asked the Holy Ghost to point that out to me, so he does. You know, he is our helper. And when we clean up all those little things in our life, God is able to move in a dramatically bigger way. And the bottom line is you're just going to have to decide it's worth it. You're just going to have to decide it's worth it. Some things might not seem like a big deal, but they have a bigger impact than you're realizing, and it's worth it to deal with those things. You know, it's worth it. It's worth it to let wrong relationships go. It's worth it to let wrong friends go. 
it's worth it to drop that habit that you've just been doing on the side. You know, it's worth it to make the effort to stop cussing. It's worth it to clean up the music you're listening to, you know? And people say, that's not a big deal. Well, yeah, you could be a Christian and do that stuff. And honestly, when I was 20, I said that too. Like, it's not a big deal. Not all the music I listen to has to be worship music. You know, it's not, it's not a big deal. I'm not listening to anything filthy. It's fine. And that's true. It's fine. <laughs> but it's not conducive to me being able to receive a big assignment from God. Like, I just had to get some maturity on my life and really say, is it worth it? No, it's not. It's not worth it. Is that thing necessarily like a major issue? Is that something wrong? Is that even something I'd be embarrassed, uh, you know, for you to find out that I'm doing? Well, not really. You guys can look at any of my playlists you want. I don't care. I'm an open book. You can look at my Netflix history. Go ahead. But at the same time, over the last few years, God has been saying to me, is it worth it though? You know, it's a little fox. Is it worth it? And why don't you see what will happen if you just let that go? And so I'll be super honest with you, right? It's hard for me now to listen to music that's not worship music. And it's not because it's bad and it's not because I don't love having a good time. You guys know I love to dance and stuff and my playlists are a 10. But, you know... I care so much about God being able to speak to me that it's like I'd rather have on music that's allowing him to speak to me in that moment. I just don't want that wasted time of like Fetty Wap in the car because God is not going to be speaking to me or Blink-182 or whatever it is, you know? I mean, that's just the truth and it's, it's a matter of maturity. Like, is it a horrible thing if you listen to music that is not Christian? No. I'm I'm picking on this because it's a small issue. And like I said, a decade ago, I would have been like, that is a small issue. It's no big deal. I love God. I serve God. I have a relationship with God. Like, I just like this music. It's fine. And yeah, that is fine. But I want more than fine at this point in my life. Like, I want God to be able to do really big things. I want him to show up and say, here's a really big assignment. And you're ready for it because you cleaned up all these little areas and because you tightened up all these little things. So I know that you're living right in the that I can trust you. So I'm not trying to pick on your playlists or pick on your Netflix shows or be overly serious about these things. But at the same God, if, or same time, if you really want to be used in a way by God that other people are not being used in, you're going to have to do things those people aren't doing. That's the bottom line. I cannot live like everyone else and expect different results. I can't expect God to do anything special in my life if I really haven't set apart my life in a special way for him. So you're going to have to just decide it's worth it. Ephesians 4.1 instructs us to walk worthy of our calling. I've said that verse a million times to you guys. Walk worthy of your calling. And that's what it came down to for me. It's like there's a lot that I can do, but I want to make sure that I'm worthy of my calling. That when God is handing something to me, I can really take it and I can really hold it and I can really use it the way it needs to be used. So walk worthy of your calling. And the second point that I mentioned was prioritizing your relationship with God or staying close to God. So we're going to dive into this for the rest of tonight. And this is really, really where the rubber meets the road because there is absolutely no way to stay close to God other than to invest time in him. It's all about time. And I will sympathize with you guys to say that in our society, we 
struggle so much with how we spend and use our time. We have more distractions available to us than ever. Like I was watching this documentary recently about pioneers and I was like, dang, like if I lived that life, I'd probably be like so holy that I could fly or something because literally they couldn't do anything. Like, first of all, when it was dark outside, there was no electricity. So literally they only did stuff like during daylight hours and then they just went inside and had like a bonfire or whatever in their fireplace. Like there just wasn't even that much to do. There was no TV. There was no social media. The United States like, was not settled. So honestly, they didn't even really have books. Like there weren't libraries. They couldn't order books on Amazon. So first I was like, eh, they could like sit around and read. But then I was like, no, they didn't have books. They had like one Bible. That was it. That was your only book. Like there was literally nothing for these people to do. Like no distractions. They care for their cattle during the day. They chop their firewood. They make their bread. The day's done. They get up and they do it again. Okay. We live in a very different world. You and I can easily waste hours doing nothing. And I'm not criticizing you guys because I can do it too. You know how come I had to get rid of social media? Because two hours could go by like that. I live alone. I can sit down on the couch and the next thing I know, like, I just pass out of sleep. I wake up at 3 a.m. I did nothing but eat dinner, be on social media, and fall asleep on the couch. Sad life. I got tired of that, so then I had to delete social media. Now I don't know what's going on. I didn't even know Maverick City was releasing a Christmas album. Someone had to send it to me. But that, that was like my own lack of self-control. I had to literally delete that stuff because it was a, too much of a distraction. I just wasted way too much time, right? I remember back in the day, I was literally thinking this the other day. Like back in the day when there was no Apple Music and no Spotify, like you could not listen to any music anytime you wanted. You could only listen to the radio, which we know they only play like the top 30 songs, so you hear the same 30 songs over and over. Or you could listen to what you had on CD, CD. And you're like, I didn't have that much money when I was 14 and CDs were like kind of expensive. They were like 20 bucks a piece. So like I wasn't buying them left and right. Just like little things like that. Like you were limited in the music you could listen to. We were limited in the TV shows we could watch, in the movies. I used to have to go to Blockbuster and rent a movie. There was no Netflix, right? When there were shows on TV, you actually had to have the TV on at a certain time to be able to see that show. And if you missed it, you missed it. It was over. You couldn't binge a whole series. You couldn't go back and rewatch things. Like, it's just crazy. There's so much available to us. But that's so detrimental because we now have so many ways to spend our time and things to waste our time on. That was a super long explanation just to say, if you want to stay close to God, there is absolutely no way to do it other than to invest time and spend your time wisely and spend your time with him. And there are studies that show how bad we are at this. Like, if you were to sit, it's like the average person can only sit sit in a room, like a quiet room, no phone, no TV. If literally you just had to go sit in a room with nothing in the quiet, most people would have panic attacks within the first 10 minutes, this study said. We can't sit and be quiet. We can't sit and do nothing. And me too. Whenever I like decide like, oh, I'm going to do something. I'm going to leave my phone at home or like go get a cup of coffee. I'm so bored. What are you supposed to do? Just sit there? Yeah, you're supposed to just sit there, right? We don't know how to do that anymore. We have got to figure out how to invest our time in God and how to give our time in him and not let other things pull us away from that. Because I want to encourage you with this. Listen, knowing God is easy and being close to God is easy. It just takes a lot of time. 
It's not hard, but it takes a lot of time. And I would challenge you to say it takes more time than most people are willing to give. That's why so many people come to me and say, I, I try to hear God, but like I can't. Well, it's just a matter of time. I have a really easy fix for you. Spend more time with him. <laughs> Spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in your Bible. Spend more time in worship. It's super easy, but it does require time. And this has been so true in my own life. The closer I am to God, the more I'm able to help people and the stronger his power is in my life. And I saw some uh, quotes from Javen Chavez the other day that says this, the anointing or the power of God grows in the presence of God. Without spending long periods of time with Jesus, you will minister from adrenaline instead of anointing. What is he saying? You cannot have the power of God if you don't spend time with God. It's that simple. So we say like, oh God, like I want you to use me. I want you to give me opportunities. And he's saying, okay, that's available to you anytime. You've just got to spend enough time with me to be able to work in that and move in that. It's that simple. You don't have to strive for the power of God. You don't have to work for it. You've just got to spend enough time in his presence that you're able to have that in your life and move in that. And the anointing or the power of God makes all the difference. We have to realize without that, I'm just a motivational speaker. And there's probably like a million people in this world who are way better motivational speakers than me. Right? You guys scared to say yes? It's true. It's true. <laughs> there's, there's people who are better speakers, but isn't that the, the truth? I'm nothing more than just a motivational speaker or maybe not even a motivational speaker. <laughs> maybe just a mediocre speaker or just a speaker. I'm nothing more than a speaker if I don't have the power of God. I cannot stand up here and preach to you a word that will change your life without the power of God. I can't do it. And I just don't want to be a speaker, a motivational speaker, a mediocre speaker. What's the point? The days that we're living in, like people need freedom. That's why I feel so urgent about that. There is so much darkness and people are so bound. They need freedom. And it, it's not just something weak that's going to bring that to them. I really need to show up with the power of God to be able to break that off of them. And that's important to me. If you come to me and you need help, it's really important to me that God can use me to help you. And he won't be able to do that unless I've spent enough time with him. It is that simple. If you really want to help other people, if you want to be anointed, if you want the power of God to be present in your life, you're going to have to spend enough time with God. And again, it comes down to just, do you think it's worth it? How bad do you want it? Do you want it bad enough to get up at five o'clock in the morning for school instead of six o'clock so you have an hour to spend with God? You know, do you want it bad enough to turn the TV off? Do you want it bad enough to turn the radio off? Do you want it bad enough to not hang out with your friends sometimes when they invite you? There's nothing wrong with good friends. There's nothing wrong with TV. But I've had to learn if I want more of God's power, if I want to be better at what I'm doing, if I want to really stand up here and be able to bring freedom to you or anybody else, it's going to take a lot of time with God. It's just that simple. There are things that are not bad things and not sinful things, but they're just things that take up my time and I'm gonna have to trade those for more time with God. I'm gonna have to get up earlier when it's easy for me to hear from him and give him longer times to speak to me. And I'm gonna have to spend longer times in worship and I'm gonna have to spend more time studying my Bible because that's what's gonna allow me to move in his power. And again, it's not like exciting or glamorous. 
Nobody sees me when it's just me at home early in the morning. <laughs> I don't look cool. It doesn't always feel amazing. But the more that I do that, the more I'm able to show up here and be effective in what God's called me to do. So it's worth it to me. I don't want to just be a speaker up here. I don't want to, when you need help, pray with you and give you a weak prayer and then nothing changes in your life. Like I'm, I won't settle for that. I love you guys so much. I want to be able to really help you. And so it just comes down to how bad do you want it? And then is it really worth it? And as we close, I do want to encourage you with this because I know this, I know this could feel a little heavy and a little intense tonight. So I'm going to lighten it up at the end because this really is the most satisfying life. Like I, I don't regret at all anything I've ever given up for God, anything at all, whether it seemed big at the time or something small, like is it all those little things that just like seem like they don't matter? They've made such a big impact and God has been so good to me and has been so gracious and blessed me so much that I don't miss, I don't miss a single thing that I, I had to leave behind. And in Hebrews eleven six, God tells us this, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I just want to, I just want to wrap up tonight by saying to you, it is so worth it. If I could tell you just how much I love my life and how how just humbled and grateful I am. It doesn't mean that every day is super easy or always super fun, but every day there's a joy and a peace and just a gratitude because God is doing things in my life that I don't deserve and that I just can't believe. And it's only because I took took time to spend time with him. I chose to live right. I chose to let some things go and I chose to give him a lot of my time. And it's been so worth it. There's absolutely no life like a life of being used by God. That's what we're all looking for, right? We want to do something that's bigger than ourselves and to see God move and do things through me that I could never do on my own. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I never want to leave that behind. It's worth everything that you might need to let go of or everything that you need to give up or everything that feels hard or even just hurts in the moment. Listen, when it comes to relationships and letting that stuff go, that, that hurts, because our emotions are involved. So it's painful. I'm not always saying it's fun or exciting or it feels great or it's even easy, but it is so worth it. And there's just so much reward. And it's easy for us to look at Mary's life and say like, well, yeah, it was worth it. Like she had Jesus, it changed the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was a really big deal. But I want to say to you, it's worth it. The things that God is calling you to, it's a big deal. It's going to change the world. It's going to change people. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. I believe that of every single one of you. We look at Mary's life and we say, yeah, it's worth it. But I look at your life and I could say, yeah, it's worth it. I love you guys. And, and I see things in you. I know that maybe sometimes you don't see in yourself and it's so worth it. And I want to say, I just felt led to say to you guys tonight, because I don't, I don't know what, what people are saying to you. I don't know what your parents say to you. I don't know what your teachers say to you. But here's what I say to you tonight, and I love you, and I'm your youth pastor. So can I say something to you tonight? I just realized I was a youth pastor like two years ago, but I've been one for a long time. So you can laugh. It's kind of funny. One day I was just like, hold on. You know that um, TikTok where she's like, am I, am I better than everyone? That was me one day not saying I was better than everyone, but I was just like, am I, am I a youth pastor? Like somebody was like, who's the youth pastor? And I was just like, yeah, who's the youth pastor? <laughs> I had to be like, that's me and Nancy. Oh my gosh, I'm a youth pastor. So I love you guys and I'm your youth pastor. And I'm going to say these 
things to you tonight because I don't know what other people are saying to you, but listen to what I'm saying to you. I want to say that you are gifted. Every single one of you, you're gifted. Every single one of you are called. I mean that. Every single one of you, whether I know you real well or I don't, you're gifted, you're called. I see those gifts in you. They matter, and it is worth it. God wants to use you, and I want to see God use you. This isn't about just me being used by God and blah, blah, blah for my own arrogance. I, I want to show you guys how to be used by God so that you can. Like, I want to see you guys bring freedom to people. I want to see you guys love people. I want to see you guys lead people to Jesus and lead people to healing. I believe in you, and I see those gifts in you, so you don't have to wonder if they're there. They are. God says they are. I see say they are. He wants to use you and I want to see him do that. And I just want to leave you tonight with the thought that it is worth it. And if you need me to pray with you or you need me to encourage you or you need to come to me and say like, Morgan, I know I need to give these things up in my life, but it feels really hard right now and I need to be held accountable. I got you. I've been there. There's no judgment. There's no shame. It's all good. We've all been there. But I want to say to you tonight, it is worth it to be favored by God and to be used by him because there is just no other life that brings that kind of joy and peace. So tonight, just like Mary, I believe you guys will find favor with God. I believe you guys can live right and want to live right and will live right. But I hope I've also inspired you that you can be really close to God. And it's really easy. It just takes time. So I'll pray as we close tonight. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media.